Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Today, I am so excited to talk to you about the polyvagal theory. Sounds sciencey is super sciencey, but I'm going to try and break it down as best I can to help you to understand it. And I'm going to try and keep this episode kind of short because it is a lot of scientific information and I don't want to overwhelm your brain with too many pieces of research, in fact. But stay with me here because at the second half, after I go through the science, I'm going to talk about some ways to help naturally neutralize or how to kind of reverse the stress response system and the nervous system and ways to find equilibrium neutralization really quickly. So hang in there with me. Promise it'll be worth it. Here we go. Polyvagal theory. Stephen Porges work. So essentially let's think of this like a ladder and let's think of the ladder standing upright and you've got the very top, you've got the middle and the bottom. So the very top you have we may call like our window of tolerance or optimal zone or this social engagement. Like you are present enough with your thinking brain, with your emotions. Everything is kind of in control and feels good and you feel stabilized and you're socially engaging with people and you're able to keep your stuff together and not be reactive and not be impulsive. And I feel like anymore, that's that's very few people. <laughs> we're so stressed out that we're barely able to get into or stay into that state, but that's what we're aiming for we like to get to. That's the goal. And then the middle part of the ladder, you've got sympathetic side of the nervous system. We'll shorten that. SNS. The SNS. The SNS is the sympathetic nervous system and it's the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response system. So when people dip into this, or kids dip into this part of the nervous system, when they tap into it, when it's activated, they you'll, you'll, you'll experience anger, frustration, maybe rage, impulsivity. It's it's like an unconscious choice. It's just your body is taking over because it's in a stressed out state. And this part of our nervous system was a good thing for us. It was biologically created to save us. So when we were living back eons ago in hunter-gatherer age era, uh, the sympathetic nervous system saved us from wild crazy animals that could attack us or even other tribes so we needed that little bit of stress adrenaline cortisol to be activated to help us to run away or fight or whatever we need to do to survive so it saved us the problem becomes when you live in that nervous system for too long or you stay in it too long or things every day put you in that nervous system I mean, it could be a micro stressor like an alarm clock. I think in a lot of ways, an alarm clock is an unnatural way to wake up. Yet some of us need it because we have to be certain places at certain times. 
But that loud noise, even if you have an alarm clock, that's not a loud beeping noise. To be woken up in, in a state of rest like that is is really triggering to your your nervous system and can put you in the sympathetic side. But the good thing is you go in there and you come right back out usually, hopefully. That's, that's the goal is you wake up, you get some food, and you can just breathe again. So let's go down to the bottom part of the ladder. That's the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. So... In this side, it's the rest and digest side. So it can be good. It can help us reach equilibrium, neutralization, get back to zero. Um, but if we're too stressed out, we might go into that side and, and be immobilized. So we might like disassociate because we're in such an extremely stressed out period uh, that we can't really function. So that's your ladder. Optimal zone at the top, socially engaged, present, neutral, feeling good. A little bit stressed out, you dip into the sympathetic side. Can be good, but we don't want to stay there too long because that's detrimental to our bodies. Parasympathetic side can also be good because it helps you to rest, rest and digest, but we also don't want to get to the point where we stay there too long. The beauty is you can move through the systems and we, we want you to do that. And that's what keeps you safe. But we have to recognize when we are in one state or the other. So essentially, think about this in opposites. So if you are in the sympathetic side and you are stressed out, you might be releasing more testosterone and feeling more tense and more rigid. So what you want to do is the opposite of that. So what are some things, activities, daily habits that you can do that help loosen the tension, make things lighter, not so rigid, reduce testosterone? Think of more like, we could say beta-like activities. Maybe you would even go as far as to say feminine. Uh, but these things would be things like, for me personally, I, I live in this state. I, I recognize that when I get my nervous system tested, I always test high in the sympathetic side or fall into it uh, on my testing. So I know, okay, well, the things I really love, things I nat naturally gravitate towards are boxing, weightlifting, running fast, adrenaline, all of those things just further release more testosterone, further breathe more testosterone and keep me in my sympathetic side. So although they feel good and right to me because I'm so used to being in that state, that's what feels comfortable and natural to me. What I, my body really needs, what it's really seeking is rest and digest. Things like meditation, mindfulness, yoga, stretching, creative arts, cooking, opposites. I need to do more of those things. Even if I don't think I like them, it's what my body needs. On the flip side, if you find yourself in the parasympathetic side and you're feeling kind of numb, you might need to do things that are opposite to give yourself more energy to make you feel again. So things like dancing might be really good, kind of like more fast moving uh, hit activities. Uh, other things that could be really good are different competitive sports, even like a, a sauna or like a cold shower, like that's going to wake up your system. So just things to help you feel again. All right. So polyvagal theory. Think of it as a ladder at the top, optimal zone. In the middle, sympathetic side of the nervous system. The bottom, parasympathetic side of the nervous system. They can be helpful and harmful to us. It's okay to dip into any of them, but we want to try and get back to the top. We don't want to remain in a stressed out state. We don't want to remain in the sympathetic or the parasympathetic side. So if we find 
that we are in one side or the other. What are some things that we can do? Well, if you're in education and you're working with kids, here's an easy way to bring kids back to neutral. When they come in the door in the morning, especially your ones that you know are usually more stressed out, more activated emotionally, more moody, more likely to have breakdowns or tantrums or be defiant, greet them at the door at or preferably below eye level and let them know that you are so glad they're here today and you're going to keep them safe. Just by hearing that, it's going to already bring the neutral, the nervous system back to neutral. And the reason for getting below eye level deactivates the stress response. So when someone talks above you, down to you, activates your sympathetic nervous system. But if you get below them and, and speak up to the child, it's going to deactivate it. So you want that. Another quite obvious one, breathing. Slow, deep breaths, preferably, if at all possible, in and out your nose. That's what's going to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Lots of ways to do this. Make up your own breathing techniques. Find them online. Download breathing uh, apps. Yogic breathing, breath work, social media, YouTube, all kinds of options here for breathing. And with all of these, I would think about you can use them reactively when you feel stressed, but I would encourage you to start to embed them in micro pieces into your daily life and use it as a more preventative measure. So breathing is something I try and associate with waking up in the morning. I get up, I try and take at least three big breaths. Or when I go through my morning routine, I try and do some breath work. I always try and include that right away in the morning with a routine that I already have in place. So I'm using it preventatively. Another one might be progressive muscle relaxation. I call them tense and release. Do a quick body scan. See where you're holding your tension. For me, it's in my shoulders. Okay, I feel the tense and tightness in my shoulders. So I know that what I can use here is a tense and release technique or progressive muscle relaxation. I tense up my shoulders. I make them really, really, really tight. I hold it for 10 seconds and then I let it go. And that tension, that holding that tightness in that tight spot and then releasing it helps to relieve the, and alleviate the tension in that area. You do it with your hands like you're squeezing lemons. You could dig your toes into the mud or pretend mud, the floor. You could pretend the floor is mud or sand. Dig it in, hold it 10 seconds, let go. It's going to release some of that tension, help you to calm down. Here's a fun one. Animals like zebras, when they activate their SNS, their sympathetic side of their nervous system, their way of getting back to neutral is to shake. So if you've ever watched National Geographic, you'll see zebras and not like shape, shake, like, um, like tremble from fear, but like shake to get back to neutral. So we can do that too. You can shake parts of your body. You can isolate parts of your body and shake them. You can shake your whole body. You can shake from top to bottom or bottom to top or just dance or just feel free to jump and wiggle and twist and turn your body. All of those are beautiful ways to help you get back to neutral. The other one I would encourage you to do is hang, uh, hang from a pull-up bar, hang from a jungle gym, hang from a strong tree branch, hang anywhere possible because it will really help with your shoulder function, your back tension, and just kind of put you back into alignment. And we don't think about that. We don't spend really any time in that position or much time in that position. So allowing your body and your back to stretch out just from hanging for a few seconds can be really, really beneficial. My personal favorite, laughter. Find ways to laugh, gifts, memes, animal videos, social media channels. Literally just start laughing, even if it's for no reason. The act of laughter will, will bring you back to neutral. 
or spend time with people who are funny people. <laughs> like, Where are the comedians in your life, the class clowns? Find them, seek them, spend time with them. Meditation and mindfulness. I know sometimes we hear those words and we're like, ugh, woo-woo, or no way, or I don't like those things. If you don't like them, maybe because your body needs them. At least that's what I know about myself. I'm like, you want me to slow down and meditate and do some mindfulness activities? I like to go fast. I don't like these things. But my body needs them. My body is seeking them. And there can be really fun ways to do them. Even hiking. That's one of my ways to be more mindful. I also have a mini meditation practice I do every morning. And it helps to ground me. You can incorporate mindfulness with food. So there's a really awesome activity called savor the flavor. So who can eat the food most slowly? That way you activate all your senses. Similarly, you could blindfold taste test. And that activates all your senses. Those are all mindfulness activities. Can be really, really helpful. Another one, just change your posture. Change your sitting position. Like we sit in a chair looking at a computer probably way too long unless we have a job that is overly active. And for those of you that do, that's amazing. And your body is probably going to relieve stress stress much faster than, than other people's bodies who are just sitting in a chair all day. So try standing, try sitting. Sitting on the floor is really beneficial because your feet are closer to your heart. You can get blood pumping faster. Lay on your stomach to do some work. It doesn't need to be for an hour, but for five minutes, you might be able to do it. Lay on your back. Uh, position your legs in different ways. Sit your back up against a wall. Like Just think about what are the all the different positions that you could sit in throughout the day to do your work instead of just sitting at a desk. Yoga and stretching. Again, there are apps, there are yoga apps, there are workout apps that include sweat, uh, not sweat, yoga, sweat app is an option that includes yoga, bar, all kinds of things like that that are a little bit slower moving. Get exercise bands, foam rollers, uh, even a tennis ball, roll your body on these things. Use the bands to help you stretch your body. If you don't know how to do a foam roller or use it, YouTube is a great resource. Acupuncture is another one. I know some of you are like, absolutely not, not sticking needles in my body. No way. But if you are interested in it, your insurance might start to cover it. Uh, insurances are starting to cover more functional non-Western approaches like acupuncture. So check with your insurance. Call the number on the back of your card. If not... There's an alternative, acupressure, finding pressure points, energy points on your body. And some people will do like tapping where they tap those spots. Uh, the other option is to like kind of massage them in a circle. So here's one example. Right between your eyes is one. So between your eyebrows, not between your eyes, between your eyebrows, that kind of flat spot. You can either tap it with your finger a couple of times or you can take it and you can rub it in circular motions for five, 10, 15 circles. And that will alleviate some stress and anxiety. You can do some research too to find other acupressure points on your body. Two more here. Tai Chi, Qigong. Lots of availability of these things online right now. People are running workshops live. People have recorded online courses. But these slow moving, really fun, like tied to martial arts, like this is so fun to move like this. And kids love it because you can make it a game or pretend that you're animals and you only need to learn a couple poses, much like yoga. You don't need to go through a whole sequence, but there are great resources out there. And the last, 
gratitude practice. So trying to make sure that you have a daily habit of practicing gratitude, whether it be something you do right away in the morning or do at the end of the day or do over your lunch. You can say them out loud. You can write them down. You can do whatever you need to do to get them out. But practicing gratitude will help bring you back to neutral. So let's recap here. What were the ones we went over? Greeting a child at the door, letting them know that you're excited they're there, that they're safe. Breathing, progressive muscle relaxation or tense and release, shaking or dancing, laughter, mindfulness, meditation, change your sitting position or your posture, yoga, stretching, acupressure or acupuncture, tai chi, qigong, gratitude practice. And that is not an all-encompassing list. It is just a few examples or a few things to try. Do some research, play around with body-mind or mind-body therapies or mind-body practices. And that takes us to today's listener question, which comes from Ohio. And our listener asked, what do I do for kids who don't seem to care about consequences and punishment? How many of you have experienced a child who doesn't seem to care about what kind of consequence you issue? Okay, so depending on the age, I would involve them in the decision-making process. I would actually include them in what consequence they think they should get for that type of action. Because when there's involvement, there's ownership, there's control, and you're much more likely to get, receive a better response. And it gets kids reflecting and thinking from your standpoint. The other thing I might do is if kids aren't re- like responding to consequences, I might be like, hmm, okay, so consequences don't work. So let me flip this kind of redirection or whatever it is completely. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll when their bodies and brains are calm, problem solve. So I go through four basic steps. You felt... I felt problem solution. I explain how I think they might have felt. I validate them. I show understanding and compassion and grace. I say how it made me feel. I state the problem. So whatever it was that they did. And then collectively, we come up with solutions. So that's kind of like involving them in the decision-making process, but it's a little bit more of an extended um, process. And it it's not really choosing a consequence or a punishment. It's just choosing an alternative behavior for next time or brainstorming alternative options for next time. So that when this happens again, because we all know that these things usually reoccur, recur, that uh, they know what to do. Because if we don't teach them what to do differently next time and we only issue a punishment or consequence, what's going to stop them from reacting and responding the same exact way next time? The punishment? Maybe, maybe not. So give them an education about what to do differently next time. If they're old enough, ask them why whatever they did was important to them. Like, why did, why did they make that decision? And maybe they know and maybe they don't. Maybe it was a completely unconscious, subconscious, biological reaction and they don't really know why they did it. And that, quite frankly, when we slip into that sympathetic nervous system, we don't always, we, we typically don't use logic or reason because we're not in that part of our brain. We can't act, it's not it's deactivated. So we don't make good decisions. We maybe become aggressive. We lie. Uh, we use these defense behaviors because they're not necessarily conscious choices. So just trying to understand why this was important to them to do. And then build trust with them. Like try and understand without even asking why they might have made this decision and validate how they were feeling and show you care and show that you want the choice to change for a particular reason. Why? Why is this so important to you and to them? And all of that together should shape and change the behavior, and at the same time, build a loving, understanding relationship. 
All right, so to wrap up, we are going to do the tried at home tip, toes in the mud. Talked about this earlier. So pretend that your toes are digging into mud or to sand, like really curl them up hard against the ground and hold them for 10 seconds. And then once you've held them really tight and tense for 10 seconds, release them and let go. So I would try this at least three, four, five times, maybe more, definitely hold for the 10 seconds. And that should help you get back to neutral, help a child get back to neutral. You can rename it something more fun if it's an older child or more motivating or related to their age. But for young kids, toes in the mud works. Also gives us a good visual of what this is supposed to look like. And that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our try it at home tip, toes in the mud. And if you would like me to answer any questions of yours in the future on a future episode, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thanks for joining me.